Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Father, we thank you for Ben. We thank you for this man. And Lord, we receive this man of God into, the, into your house today. And we ask for the word of the Lord to come through his mouth. That God, that our hearts would be open to be cut by the word of the Lord through this man. And that, Lord, we would be built up and strengthened. And I pray, God, for an impartation to come through this man's ministry today that would establish us and equip us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. If you, thank you. I just love, I love being here. Thank you so much for having me, John and Tracy and, and everybody here. Thank you. I love being in worship with you all. I just love feeling the presence of God. Um, wow, sorry, I'm just really getting touched by the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, save me. Amen. And uh, I'm so glad John said the, about your insecurities. I wake up pretty much every day. This isn't like an oppression. I don't have a demon, but I'm insecure about what the Lord is inviting me to do because I realize I can't do that. So that makes me poor in spirit every single day. I just go, oh my gosh, I can't do this, but th you must think I can somehow. I'm just going to get low and do the whole poor spirit thing. I really need you. And that's like, I'm serious. This ain't like false humility, like, oh, wow, isn't that cool? No, I'm like freaked out every day. Like, I can't believe you really want me to do that. I'm dead. Oh, God, help me. And I think, you know, I, that's made me understand two things. One, God is merciful. And his mercy is he doesn't give us what we deserve. He, we, I deserve, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. I am literally the chief of sinners. Paul was not, I am literally. However, the Lord is merciful. But then at the same time, he's gracious. And he gives us blessing when we don't deserve it. And I get ruined by both on a near daily basis in the midst of my insecurity. I stand before the Lord and I just go, wow, I can't do this. Oh, God, help. I love you. I need you. God, you're awesome. You're merciful. And merciful, if you study it out, literally means loving kindness. The Father loves us with an eternal love. Jesus loved us as a Savior. And the Holy Spirit loves us. The Father loves us and showed us that he released his kindness by giving Jesus as the propitiation for our sins. He made Jesus a way for us to be with the Father forever. So God, when we sin, we get to run straight to his mercy and go, I know you love me as a father forever. And you showed me that kindness by giving your own son as a sacrifice that I may not my, the pain and the penalty of my sin is gone away. And then I am thrust in to be with you forever. I do communion with my children every Friday night. We do what we call Shabbat and we get together and we take that time to just stop. We take our Sabbath is and I, this might seem weird. Uh, we do it Friday in the evening till Saturday in the evening. Sunday morning is a work day at our house. You are up. If you're up by six, you're late. You need to get to the prayer room in our house. We don't have an entertainment room. We have a prayer room. 
and it just plays by the prayer room. And uh, they, if I catch them trying to do Disney, man, they're in trouble. I've seen those kids run 100 miles an hour. Um, but, but the thing is, we stop and we say, Lord, we want to realign ourselves with you as a family. And we want to say, come and be the center of everything we are. We want, we have a memorial in Washington, this big, huge, straight up and down called the Washington Memorial. And I go, hey, kids, in the same way, we need the word of God to be the pillar in our home, straight up and down. And I go, I don't know what you did this week, but we're going to stop everything and stare at the Lord and say, we need you. We need help. And we take communion and we do this very seriously. And I've been doing this with my little whippersnapper since, you know, the day they come out. And uh, I got five of them, and we, we sit there, and I, I, I explain the blood very specifically. And I, t- I, don't, I don't do this every time this long, but I go through the five parts of the blood. And I say, let me explain to you. The blood gets, takes away the penalty and the pain of your sin, but it thrusts you face to face to worship God. And I said, kids, this is not just, God just didn't save you from something. He saved you for something. That you could be able to worship him forever. And I go, I want you to get that in your heart and life right now today. And my wife's like, honey, like, okay. I mean, my wife's like really good because I'll stand up and start preaching to the kids. And they're holding their communion stuff. It's and then we normally have guests over, so they're just going, what in the world is going on? So anyway, welcome to our Friday night. And then after we take communion, my wife blesses uh, the children. She goes around the room and blesses each one of them. And it's a blast. It's a blast. We love it. I've been in the prayer movement for, I'm not, like I didn't, who signed, I didn't like sign up. This is the prayer movement. I'm so, I don't know. I, I want to do this when I get older. I was on my way to law school and the Lord said, I'm doing something, want to be a part of it. And uh, doesn't mean that working in the marketplace is not, you know, adequate. I'm not here to say one's better than the other. He was just like, little peewee, this is where I want you. And so I was on my way to law school and the Lord took me, as I'm handing in my law school application to the assistant dean, the Lord says, I have something else for you if you'll take it. And I'm holding on, and I'm wrestling with the assistant dean, and I finally rip it out of her hands, and I go, I'm going to go do something else. She's like, you're not done with the application. I go, no, I'm going to do something else. And I turned around and walked out, went to my guidance counselor, told him, I said, I'm not going to graduate. I'm coming back. He's like, but you're done. I go, but I don't know I'm not. And I went onto the campus, and I want you to pay attention to this part of the story because it actually plays into what I'm doing right now in Texas. So this is just wild, but I didn't know it at the time. And so, um, and here I am. I go, no, the Lord is about to do something big in the world, and I'm going to be a part of it, so I'm not going to law school. And my guidance counselor was like trying to can't you be a lawyer and do something, whatever? And I go, ah, for some reason, I can't. And uh, knowing me, I'm just like 100 miles an hour into whatever I'm doing. I can't, I can't do more than a few things. And so I, I remember that day, 
I just end up becoming the Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, leader on the campus, working with the athletes, primarily the football team. And next thing I know, this uh, athletic director comes up to me and says, I want to create a way for you to preach the gospel to every student athlete and every club uh, sport. He goes, I don't care if it costs me my job. He lost his job within a year. But I went and preached the gospel to every student athlete. He put me in front of stadiums or arenas filled with people to preach the gospel. And that did, he got fired. He didn't care. He used his, his 15 minutes of fame to preach the gospel. It was amazing. Of course, he had this little peewee guy run around and do it. But there, in the midst of it, there was student athletes that we began to see the Lord touch them in a powerful way. And we began to see the Lord touch some of the coaches. One of those coaches that was there at the University of Buffalo, his name is Matt Rule. He was a coach. He went on to coach at different places, and then he ended up at Waco, and then he was just hired by the Panthers. I want to tell you that story. I'm going to pause, and I'm going to end with that story because I'm going to push pause on that. Because Matt talked about global awakening, stadiums being filled, the name of Jesus being uttered. We're in, but I want to talk to you about this is what the Lord has invited us into for such a time as this and how we here in the local church and the local prayer rooms are a part of it and why this fast right now that you all are about to start is very very important and you're the one that the lord picked for this hour of human history do you realize two things i want to say this you could have been alive at any time in human history and the lord said i'm choosing you now and here's the thing why do you think he chose you chose you for now was it so that you can live in extreme comfort and ease we, yet we live that way. I want to just look real quickly at Isaiah 58. I, I know I didn't put this in the PowerPoint, so you're just going to have to turn there. But Isaiah 58, verse 1, 2, and 3. Jesus is talking about fasting. He's inviting everybody into a fast. And he speaks through the prophet Isaiah, and he's like, there. You know, they're in their rhythmic fasting. Israel would have fasted at a rhythmic time throughout the year, the different feasts. And they would also fast in the midst of crisis. Prophets would stand up and say, now is a time of fasting. And so there's, a, there's the 10 days of all fasting unto Yom Kippur. But here, Isaiah 58, it says, cry aloud, spare not, lift your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgressions in the house of Jacob their sins. So Isaiah is being implored at this moment to speak about the issues that are underlying the Jewish people at this time. And he says, they seek me daily. They delight to know my ways, the nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching God. I mean, that's pretty Great resume, if you ask me. They want to know about justice. They're trying to seek righteousness. They're going after the things that they should be doing. And, they, and they, they say this, why have we fasted and you've not seen? So they're asking, there's this underlying uh, tension that happens in the midst of fasting 
where all of a sudden we're saying, why is there a delay? How, how come you're not answering right now? I had the tension of my, uh, since I was last here, my mom dying of cancer that came on radically quick, and she was dead within two months. And fasting and praying for her, looking her in the eyes, praying for her, imploring the Lord, asking, seeking, knocking, but not being offended. And getting up the next day, I vowed the next day to go pray for someone to be healed without being offended. And saying, I am going to stretch out my hand and ask you to heal once again. And believe that you're good no matter what. And so I remember just saying this. And then, there, there, but what happens is we begin to fast and fast and we say, well, it doesn't see, we, how, how do, I kind of, you know, I fasted before and kind of, I didn't see anything, so to speak. Maybe you did. I don't have a testimony like that really awesome person. And there's this underlying tension, tension and they say, we've fasted and you've not seen. We've afflicted our souls and you've not taken notice. In fact, at the day of, he says this, on the day of your fast, you find pleasure. And so what had happened is because there was that tension in the delayed answer, they went and were fasting because they had to, not because they wanted to. And then in the midst of their fasting, they're actually finding ways to just comfort themselves. And so I want to encourage you as you're beginning to ask the Lord how to fast on this, ask him, how do you want me to fast, not how can I fast? Say, Lord, what are you inviting me into? Not just, Lord, I, I just kind of want to, you know, I'm I just going to, you know, I'm just not going to do biscuits with my tea or something like that. I was like, that's not a fact. I'm thinking to myself, okay, okay, I don't want to judge. However, you, you know, you, I'm just not going to take any lumps of sugar in my tea. Okay. <sighs> like, ask the Lord. Just ask. This is what we do. You know, we always say, it's not, I've got to raise like some absorbent amount of money and people are like, you can't do it. And I'm like, I, no kidding. God didn't ask me because he thought I could do something. He knew I could not. And he knew I was dumb enough to keep going. And so I want you to stop before you do this fast and say, Lord, what way, how, in what ways, what do you want me to do? And then say, God, every day, get up and say, give me grace to do that. And if you fail, don't let the enemy condemn you push delete, start over again, and say, I don't want to slip into this. Where are you? Why? We fasted and you've not seen. And understand, here's the second big point. You are writing history right now. A hundred years from now, should the Lord tarry, and even if he doesn't tarry, even if he does come, they'll still be telling about this time in human history. Because during the millennial reign, it doesn't stop. There's all these people being born and things happening. And then all of a sudden, we're telling the stories. You become living oracles right now, living testimonies of what the Lord's doing. Live like that. Because when I'm standing before the, in the millennial reign and I'm working, I want to, and I'm ministering to the Lord for that thousand years and I'm working, 
as the Lord is branching off throughout from his throne in Jerusalem. He is branching out to all the areas. And when I have to go to Egypt to stand there and do the seminar about the, the feast and keeping the feast and why it's so important to minister to the Lord, I want to know that I was faithful in this season because I'm going to tell them stories of being faithful to the Lord when you can't see him and hear him and know all you have is the word of the Lord. You're writing history right now. <clears throat> I want to turn to Psalm 26. Thankfully, I'm so thankful for this beautiful countdown clock. Thank you. You people are so beautiful. I was in a church the other day. They handed me the microphone at 1230 because they sang the same song for about 45 minutes. And I said, what do you all want me to do? They're like, preach till you're done. I'm like, and they weren't black folks. You know, some of the black churches, you just go forever. And then you hand the microphone to the pastor and he goes forever. It's awesome. <laughs> These were a bunch of white folks. And I was like, this was amazing. <laughs> okay, sorry. Please don't come up after and think that I'm a racist. I like white people too. <laughs> I had someone mad at me the other day. I'm like, I, I like white people too. Please forgive me. Psalm 26 says this, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes. And I have walked in your truth, and I have not sat with idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with the hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of the evil doers and I will not sit with the wicked I will wash my hands in innocence I will go before your altar O Lord that I may proclaim with the voice put your name right in here put the prayer meeting in here I will proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of your wondrous wondrous works Lord I have loved the habitation of the house that your house the place where your glory dwells and here's the thing about David I want to just, I want to take two minutes on this. I'm going to talk very quickly, so please pay attention. David was a man after God's own heart. And what does it mean? It means that David sat out with the sheep and was just faithful with the job that the Lord had given him. And some of you need to learn how to be faithful, both within your own heart, within your own home, and within the church structure that the Lord has put you in. You need to be faithful for seven years before you get up and start to complain. And I'm not talking about that you take some kind of weird abuse. If you're getting abused, run, find a safe place, and talk with them, someone. But I'm talking about, there's all these, when I started being faithful to the Lord, there was all these tensions that arose right away. And I had accusations against everyone. I had accusations against my family. I had accusations against my boss. I had accusations against my pastor. And some of them were valid. It was okay. However, the Lord was like, Pee-wee, I am trying to kill you. I'm trying to get your flesh out that my spirit may live through you. I'm trying to take you somewhere. And this is what David did. With the midst of the tension of family issues, the tension of being the youngest, the tension of the day-to-day -day struggles in the marketplace, he is put out on a hill. And he is just has to be faithful with whatever word of the Lord he had and a harp and taking care of sheep who could care less every moment. And, and can you find yourself in the mundane and meet the Lord there? That's what David did. 
And from there, the Lord says, I take the key of David. The key of David is not that you are awesome at playing a guitar or a piano. It's that you're faithful to minister to the Lord in the secret place, and he picks you up. You wait till he picks you up. He waited till Samuel. He didn't go, by God, I should be promoted right now. I'm awesome. I'm getting on the internet and preaching. He waited until the Spirit of the Lord took him and put him somewhere that he needed to be. And we have got to learn to wait on the Lord. It would do us a, a really a world of good. And so David says this, he learned to pray, vindicate me, O Lord. And here's what he's saying. I, I say this all the time in the midst of accusation. I will not defend myself. I will let the Lord defend me every time. Because if I defend myself, I have to keep defending myself. If the Lord defends me, he actually has to keep defending me. And who knows if I'm wrong or right? I don't know. So I pray this prayer, vindicate me, O Lord, according to your great mercies, according, I'm doing what I think is right. I'm walking in my integrity. I don't want to slip. I trust you, O Lord, but come in. I could be totally wicked. Examine me right now, and we're at a place. I want to encourage you during this fast where you're just like, help, examine me, find if there's anything in me that needs to change. Prove me. Try my mind and heart. Put your mind and your heart before the Lord. Don't think you know anything. Put yourself before the Lord. Listen, you will get blown away the first minute you step across the line into eternity. You're going to go, ah! And all of a sudden, kick the bucket theology, your ideas, they're gone in a moment. You will be transformed in a moment, and you'll go, ah! And can you imagine when you get in the conversation with one of the four living creatures and he asks you, what was it like to go to the prayer meeting and worship the Lord at a distance when you didn't see him like we do? And they're going to go, what's it like to say our father? You see, they don't. They just say holy. What's it like to receive the love of the father? And you're like, ah, oh, I never thought of that. Ooh, uh, man, it's just thought it was a boring prayer meeting. No, 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 no. You got to be, they're going to be like that ox or that eagle is going to, no, no, no. You got to be on earth and minister to the Lord at a distance when you hadn't seen it. T tell us about them. And we're going to go, well, I mean, you know, they struck this chord progression. The spirit of the Lord went on and we were all ministering to the Lord together. I know. No, no, I remember it was bright light coming up before the throne from your prayer room. And as it did, we all entered in and sang with you. And this is what happened from our perspective. I'm telling you, we don't even know what we're doing. <laughs> okay. He said, for your loving kindness, we trust him. We ask him to try our mind and heart. Why? Because he is loving kindness. Because we trust your loving kindness. We walk in our truth. We don't, we're not running around with idolatrous people. We're not entering into uh, depths of immorality. If you are, flee. God is inviting you into something so much greater. <clears throat> and then so it goes on to say, I'm washing my hands. I'm being clean. I'm worshiping you. Verse 8. Why? Because I love your habitation. I love your house. I love the place 
where your glory dwells. As we're praying this, as we're imploring, as we're going on this journey, we're asking the Lord, change us. Why? So that when we come before you, we don't think it's dull. And we have a love and a desire and a passion. I remember when I was uh, uh, just like year three or four at the International House of Prayer in, in Kansas City. And I remember no car, you know, we don't, nobody had money there. And we're just running, no phone, no nothing, running a mile and a half to get to the prayer room just so I could make it on time. Not because I was, I was, you know, religious and wanted to sit in a room by a certain time because I love the habitation of the Lord's house. And I said, I've got to be faithful running there. I remember I, I just going, I, I, for about two years, I had to, to get run back and forth to the prayer room. And I, they always made fun of me. Oh, there he is, crazy guy. But you know what? I don't care. I was faithful. I was faithful when I didn't have a car. And then the Lord gave me one and he took it away. So there you go. Turn with me to Luke 11. <laughs> oh, God. So there you go. Let's see. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke 11. I really feel like I'm supposed to share this with you. So I'm trying to get some broad strokes because I really feel the Lord is going to meet us in this hour of human history. But one thing is we have to be found in the place of worship and prayer. And that I want to provoke your place of worship and prayer. And I want to teach you that the Our Father, I'm going to teach you four different prayer movements before the Lord returns, and I'm going to do that in 15 minutes. So here we are. Ready? Put your seatbelts on. This is one, the first part of the prayer movement. <clears throat> it says Jesus was in a certain place praying. When he ceased, his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. All right, stop. I want you to look at a word there. Certain place. Is that what it says up there? Okay. He was in a certain place. Here's what I want to say to you all. You need to have a certain place where you're going to pray to meet the Lord a certain time, a certain place, and then from that, that the people around you are provoked. Jesus was discipling them in the place of prayer. Do you catch that? He was discipling them, but he was praying. Listen, everything you do, would you be found before the Lord? It doesn't mean I don't pray. I am with homeless women every single morning, staring them in the eyes and talking to them on their hardest day. And then I'm with college students, and then I'm trying to run a team of 30 people commandeering a stadium for three days of day and night worship and evangelism. So I am busy just like you all. But I, and I don't leave that place, but I have a certain place that I go to. And then at 6 a.m., my son joins me. And I'm there, and I'm teaching him from the place of prayer. And I want to encourage you, that as we are living our lives, go to that place of prayer. And as you do, then from there, be able to teach others about it. Teach the next generation about it. And then he says this, when you pray, pray, our Father who is in heaven, 
holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who has sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Then he talks about the friend coming at midnight. He comes and says, we must persist in the evening hours. He talks about asking, seeking, knocking. What? For the Holy Spirit to come, not giving up. Then he talks about praying unto deliverance. Isaiah 58, he puts it right into there, the finger of God delivering people. He breaks in in verse 20, and he talks about praying until there is deliverance in the land. And we need to learn to pray this prayer for two reasons. Number one, we need to learn to pray because we need to know that the Father loves us and He really loves non-believers. He's confronting me and wrecking our crew, going, do you know I'm a father? And as we go through the verses, it's not just that we sit on stage and go, wow, you're a good, good father, which He is. But if we under, we're beginning to understand He was a father to the lost and we're giving ourselves to the one who loves the lost, to the father who loves the lost. And then when we're praying this, we're going, oh my gosh, you're in heaven and we're in intercession with you. We're cooperating with you. And I want to do Genesis 1 and 2 real quickly. And Genesis 1, you've got the, the father has the will and the desire, and Jesus comes and then says, let there be light, as he sees the Spirit of the Lord moving. There's a cooperation between the will of the Father, the movement of the Spirit, and the intercession, yea, prophecy of Jesus. And in the same way, we need to stare at the will of the Father, see where the Holy Spirit is working, and pray and say those things until they happen. And that's what Jesus is inviting us into. He's not saying pray in vain repetition. He's saying, first, see that I'm a father and stare at me and minister to me. Love me. Worship me as a father. And then see that I'm in heaven. I can't be moved. See that my name is holy. All of a sudden, Exodus 34, what thrust where Moses was in the, in the corner where the name of God is going across behind him where he's freaked out and goes, oh my God, this is who you are. If we know who he is, his character, the knowledge, the essence of who he is, then we can easily overcome in our circumstances. And this isn't something for vain repetition. This is an, it's an invitation to access heaven by gazing upon him, ministering to him, and transform earth. Listen, Jesus died on a cross that you might live, but he didn't just save you from something. He saved you for something, not just something in heaven, though it is in heaven. But Ephesians 2 says it's right now that we're seated with him in heavenly places. Prayer is a place. Worship is a place. And when you get there, you freak out. I remember the first time I encountered the Lord. It's like he gets in your cells. And he's like, ah, and I couldn't, I didn't want to breathe. Because I'm like, I'm going to get closer to him and I'm going to blow up in a bazillion pieces. And then he's like, come here. And you're like, <laughs> don't think any bad thoughts. Amen. When then everybody knows what you're thinking, so you just kind of freak out anyway. It's interesting. Okay. But this is where the Lord is inviting us through, not based on our good works, but based on the finished work of the cross. He's so kind. Learn thee, our Father. We are, we, are, we are going after who God 
is in the Our Father. So when we pray it, we believe it. This is about believing. So this first part, this is what we need to pray. We need to say. We need to understand. We need to be found praying this until it happens. We need to be found in the land believing there is a Father. Why does it say in the, 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 the mosque on top of the Temple Mount, why does it say that God has no Father? Because... It's a, they, the Muslims are believing something totally different. And the Lord's like, no, I am a father and I want to be with you forever. Therefore, pray that way every single day. You know, we've got to learn to take hold of the power that is in this prayer. So as we begin to pray this, we're going to see people saved. The church transformed unto what? Unto verse 20, 11 verse 20. Casting out demons by the finger of God. We have to understand that the finger, God wants to release the finger of God. What he did in Moses' day, he wants to release power on the earth to deliver people. I'm serious. That's why I love it. It says transform uh, the earth. And Matthew's talking about signs and wonders, the movement of the spirit. We have to have a higher vision. And the higher vision isn't that we bring in the signs and wonders, Gail or Guy, and then they kind of, it gets us excited. We need to understand that weak people need to do this every day. Turn with me next to Revelation chapter 5. So the prayer movement takes many forms in praying the Our Father. I mean, you can pray the apostolic prayers. I'm not against the apostolic prayers. But if you're not preaching and praying about the Lord's Prayer, <laughs> you are missing a whole bunch of what you need to do. He taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. He's inviting us to know Him. Okay, I love the apostolic prayers. I love praying the promises for Israel in the Old Testament. I, I'll do that. I, I mean, that's like my bread and butter. You'll find me with my prayer for Israel once a week, twice a week, going through it line by line, writing it, loving it, crying, I love you, you know. But at the same time, we've got to learn the Lord's Prayer. So I, what I did is I spent over seven years praying the Lord's Prayer and dissecting it near daily. And then I realized, I don't even know you. You're awesome. You are amazing. So go on a journey. But here's what happens before the Lord returns. So we're praying the Lord's Prayer throughout human history as the Lord taught us. But here's what happens in chapter 5 of Revelation. It says, verse 8, I had taken the scroll when He, the Lamb, had taken the scroll and the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they fall down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sing a new song. You're worthy to take the scroll, to open a seal. For you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation, you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Here is our prayers go from the Lord's Prayer. And then they go to this moment where before Jesus is about to do the hardest thing he's ever done in, 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 in the existence of humanity. He's about to have to unleash the, the Father's plan for this particular moment in time called the, the seals, trumpets, and bowls. And so what happened before when the Lord went to his hardest time, which was the cross? 
He goes to this little woman's house named Mary. And what did she do? She poured alabaster all over him. And she loved him. Her, she was there. She was preparing the way. And, and what did the Lord Jesus had? He had two gifts, I believe, as he went to the cross. He had that perfume just in his beard. He could still smell it. But at the same time, he had the words of his father reverberating as he came like lightning and said, this is my son. It sounded like thunder came. And he goes, no, I'm going to keep going. But here's another gift from the father. He gives to his son the prayers of the saints, us in these rooms, singing songs about how worthy he is. But it's very specific. So your prayers are going to go from very broad to very specific. You understand that? They're going to go, there's moments where you'll get so captured by him, you're going to do this, you're going to sing these right in here. And they're right here. This is worship. This is us going to a place. Our worship and prayers combining before the Lord as a literal gift that the Father gives to the Son. It's us agreeing with what God's about to do, and at the same time, it's a gift to the Son. It's so beautiful. And you are a part of that. You are invited into that. As we're praying the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's going to bring you into moments of praying and singing these to the Lord. And you have to know that there are literal prayers that go and sit in that bowl until it's time. Turn with me to Revelation 8. So then, before the, Jesus has to do the seals, there's that gift of us praying. Heaven and earth coming together. And we see another prayer movement. In chapter 8, before the, the trumpets, says when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw seven angels who stood before God, and each of them was given seven trumpets. And another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood before the, stood at the altar. And he was given much incense that she should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar. And now this doesn't talk about anything that they were singing necessarily, but it talks about a half an hour of silence. I want to teach you something real quickly. I want to teach you to pray when there's no worship going on and there's no phone zipping. See, the Lord took me in a season when I was uh, asked to take a sabbatical from being a pastor. That's a kind way of the board saying, get out of here while we look for someone else because you're crazy, which was true. Because I needed God and I wasn't satisfied in the church that I created, the structure I created. I needed God. Listen, you don't put John the Baptist in four walls and think he's going to be okay. And so here I was, I'm just crying out to the Lord, and he put me in this place where I was a night watchman, and he said this, just read your Bible, and then I want you to worship me for two hours with no music. No nothing. This is back when we had Walkmans, you know, if you, for those of you who are a little bit older, those are those things with tapes and batteries and so I've had to put my batteries down and my tapes down. And I learned to worship him. And here's what happens. Number one, you instantly know the depravity of your heart. You're instantly caught with your lack. And you're forced to go to this different place of knowing the Lord. It becomes real in that moment. It's not hype. There's no, and if you're doing it for two hours, it's, you can't fake it till you make it. 
You just have to learn to worship him. And then he said this to me after a while, after I sang for about two months, he said this, now just sing with your spirit and don't open your mouth. And I had to learn to worship him on the inside with no music, no nothing. And I tell you what, I grew so much during that because my inside was singing to him. And then I could stand and I could sing to him anywhere. And I just learned to worship in silence. There's much to say about that some other day. Then it goes, I want to look at Revelation 15. So the seals, trumpets, and now the bulls, the wrath of God's getting poured out. And I want to talk about this. You might, you might say, well, why do I need to know about this? We just got this fast because you've, listen, this is, I don't, this isn't my opinion opinion this is how the lord set it up and you said yes to being with him at this hour of human history you've said yes to one of the greatest moves of god that's upon the face of the earth right now i believe and so you've said yes to this and so you need to know where this is going so you can enter in you know what because we sit up here how many songs do we do today five or six well, we're going to do, do you know, we're going to do these progressions really well. Our Father who art in heaven, Revelation chapter 5, Revelation chapter 8, Revelation chapter 5. Do you understand? I'm not going to go into this because uh, I want to share a story, but look at Revelation 15. And I, can I do three more minutes? Is that okay? Yeah. The, <laughs> okay. So I'm so sorry to be that guy that says that. Meanwhile, people are like, ah. <laughs> So I want to end with this story. So at this time last year when I came here, I just love coming here because y'all are so full of life and zest and revelation flows out of this place. It's so much fun. And so the Lord spoke to me very clearly. Do um, a stadium gathering in 2020 in Charlotte. And I remember saying, oh, no way, Lord. We can't do this. It's going to be way too hard. I gave him all the reasons. And then all of a sudden, I said, Lord, prove it to me. I'll say, and I, I said, I'll say yes if you prove it to me. I go to see my, my mom and uh, to visit her. It was right before she passed away. And as I do, my aunt comes up and said to my wife and I, the Lord has invited you to do something. You haven't said yes. You must say yes right now, right now. You have to say yes. So we just said yes. And then the next day, this young man calls and said, I see the Lord. You and your wife are calling people to a stadium gathering in 2020 called Sealed from Song of Songs 8-6. The fiery love of God, inviting people in. And then I said, Lord, please help me. A young man called and said, I don't know why, but I'm supposed to tell you to go to Bank of America and believe for it. The stadium. And I'm like, Lord, you could have chose someone who's way smarter. Papa Lou calls me and says, go do the stadium. By then, I'm like, I'm in trouble. And then... Um, the Lord said, and then I, then this is what happens. My mom dies, and I have a dream that we're not supposed to do one day. We're supposed to do three. And he says in the dream, I want you to do it evangelism style like Billy Graham. And I want you to believe for a great awakening in America. Now, I'm not naive to think. I've been on enough events where you, you go, okay, Lord, I'm going to put this fleece out. I know I'm just weak, but I'm going to put a fleece out. I go, when I go to speak at my mom's funeral, someone needs to get saved and someone from Billy Graham Evangelistic Association needs to call me and confirm this. And uh, I just was like, I don't know why I prayed that. 
So I go and I'm, I'm preparing the message for John 3.16 for my mom's funeral. As I do, uh, my assistant calls me. He goes, you'll never believe this. Uh, someone from Billy Graham Evangelistic Association just called and wants to meet in regards to the stadium. What do you think about that? And I'm like, oh, my God, please help me. Lord, have mercy. When we told him we were doing three days, he's like, you're absolutely crazy. Well, let's plan. <laughs> I love those people. And then um, when I spoke at my mom's funeral, this woman came up afterwards and she said, I hate you. I go, why? She goes, because my whole life I thought Christians were weak and I told myself I'll never cry. And she said, but as you talked about the love of the Father in John 3, 16, I could, can't stop crying and I want to become a Christian. She gave her life on her knees to the Lord. Then <laughs> someone had a dream that we needed, that the Lord would make a way. We prayed for one year, every morning for a year. We gather a team, about 30 of us together. And we're like, someone said, it's about this. It's also about the football team getting saved. We had no way to reach the football team whatsoever. And so we're like, how are we going to do this, Lord? And then all of a sudden they fire the coach. And then next thing you know, they hire this guy. And it turns out Coach Matt was in our Bible studies when I was a little campus minister. And so the Lord takes someone to Texas, to Waco, to have him figure out how to work with Baylor for a while. And then says, okay, little guy, I need you over here. And our team met with him the other day and prayed with him. And he's going to, by God's grace, going to open up the uh, door for us to talk with the owner. Because every other door we go to, they're like, you're crazy. No way. And I'm like, forget it. But here's what I want to do in this moment. And Matt, if you could come up here. I want to pray for us to enter into this fast. We're all doing the fast. But for, I want you to do this in this moment. I want you to first ask the Lord, how do you want me to fast? And how can I commit in the place of prayer coming here? And you got to be in your prayer closet, but also come together with other people. Okay? So if you can, just stand with me, and we're going to do that. We're going to take a moment of silence, just one minute. And we're going to dialogue with the Lord. And I want you to ask this, how should I fast? And how should I commit in the place of prayer to stand before you? And some of you, I know the Lord spoke to you, and I want you to do this. I just want you to just say, Lord, help me by your grace to do this. Help me by your grace to do this. And Matt's going to have, a, he's going to lead the prayer time here at the end, and I'd love to pray for whoever. But I want to I pray one last prayer over this house that, that we would go to a place of worship like never before and prayer and this place of standing before the Lord. This is our inheritance. And so, Lord, here we are. We want to stand before you. Let this house stand before you. 
that we would see the Son of Man, angels ascending and descending. We want to see you. And like Daniel, we turn towards you and your glorious throne in Jerusalem. The God who's seated on a throne right now in Zion. It's you're there. And we worship you. We will worship you. Take us, God, by your grace. Take us, God. Thank you.